Well, a few weeks ago, we had an after-church lunch, and we talked about a new mission statement. It's not official yet, but we're, we're kind of sitting with it. We're allowing it to, to ferment in our minds. It's in three parts, and it's meant to be a way that we describe the ministry that we do here. So we talk about loving God, about being a neighbor, and about welcoming all to the table. And we're talking about this mission statement these next three weeks because when we talk about giving to the church, we are talking about supporting this ministry. This is how we describe what it is that we do. And so this week we're going to talk about the first part of this, which is arguably the most important. We love God, who is our source, through whom all things are possible. There are all sorts of things that we as a church do that are important. But relying on God, as revealed in Jesus Christ, is the thing that sets us apart from other organizations. You know, we as a church do service. We go to the food pantry. We do Jubilee Christmas. We do fellowship, women's groups and Bible studies and, and other things. But so do other organizations. And it's really easy to think about Sunday morning worship as a performance that we enjoy, like something that might happen at the Long Center on a Friday or Saturday night. But we also know it's not just performance, that it is an invitation for each of us and for our community to collectively come together and celebrate that one thing that does make us distinctive. We worship a God who is faithful, who is full of grace, full of kindness, full of mercy. And we come together because this is a God who we have known in our own lives, who has been there, who makes possible all that we are, even as we are called into more growth. And so what the church proclaims, what makes us different, unique in society is this message that there is a God and that God loves you. In fact, that God is in love with creation, going so far as to join with us in the presence of Jesus, to celebrate our joys, to recognize our sorrows, and even to suffer with us. And this love opens us up to a depth of life that we can't really see otherwise. It reminds us that however closed off we feel to others, however hard our hearts have grown, however hopeless we may be about the state of the world, we know that abiding in the love of God and allowing God to abide in us can renew our spirits. And that's pretty powerful thing to proclaim to the world. So with that, let's listen to our scripture from the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that you may, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Oh may God bless this reading. So I had a, a friend once a few years ago call me out of the blue. We had been friends in high school and then drifted apart. And then she called me one day because she had an experience in life that, that she was having difficulty with. Um, her grandfather had died. And it was the first time a member of her family who she was close with had died. And she knew I was a minister. Uh, I had no inkling that that was what was going to happen in high school. But Facebook connected us and she knew that I was in the ministry. And so she called me and invited me to breakfast and asked about how to deal with her grief. Because that first time you lose somebody can be really challenging when you realize that you won't see them again. And I told her all the basic stuff like pastoral care 101 seminary things. Uh, tell stories about the person. Allow yourself to cry. Go through the stages of grief. and Rely on your family and friends when needed. But then she said something that has stuck with me and that I've, I've really carried as a thought all of these years. She said that she was sure it would be easier if she knew that she'd seen her grandfather in the afterlife. Now, she was an atheist. She didn't believe in God, didn't go to church. But she was wondering if people of faith have an easier time saying goodbye to their loved ones. Because from her outside perspective, she thought that the religious faith, that Christian faith, would make her pain go away. That she wouldn't miss her grandfather as much. And I think for a lot of people, a belief in an afterlife in heaven does provide some relief. But I also think that we make the mistake of thinking that the point of Christianity is to find a shortcut around pain. That people who believe in Jesus Christ to proclaim him Lord and Savior don't experience grief and sorrow and pain. And that's just not true. Anybody who has lost somebody knows what the pain is, the grief that you feel. And so I realized from that conversation that, that this points at what I think makes Christians different from those who don't believe. It's not that we believe that there will be some shortcut to get around our pain, but rather it's the belief in a God who is personal, who is with us, who is for us. And it's not that God makes everything better, but rather it's belief in a God who, no matter what, shows up for us. A God who makes possible new beginnings. A God who opens up 
a path that we did not see and even chooses to walk it with us. Our scripture for today comes from what's called the farewell discourse. Um, Jesus is enjoying his final meal with his disciples, and he is talking about final things. So Jesus is leaving them with teachings and instructions, with guidance, with words of encouragement. And he wants them to know that he will be with them, that they can find rest in him. He's encouraging them to put their trust and their hope in him. And all of this advice that he has for his followers is in the midst of a time when anxiety and fear and pain were high. Remember, the next day Jesus is crucified and everyone but a few faithful followers flee. Everybody close to him, everybody at that table, save for a couple of people, scatter because they are afraid. And those who are present at the cross weep. This is not really a situation where everything is fine, where nothing is wrong. That's not the promise of the gospel. But the promise is that through it all, God will be faithful. God will make a way. So when I think about the first part of this of this mission, love God, this is really the God who I am in love with. When we worship, I am constantly praying for new possibilities. I'm praying for God to open my heart, our heart, and make room for what doesn't seem possible. I am in love with a God who throughout scripture is testified as one who hears the cries of those who suffer and shows up who in the midst of trials and tribulations, whether they be of ancient Israel or of the early church as testified to in the Bible, opens up new possibilities. I am in love with a God who will not let me go, who will take the selfish, self-centered, sometimes hateful parts of who I am and will make them new, will remake them for God's kingdom. I realize that no matter how lost I feel, nor how lost the world may seem, that I know God will continue to be there. God will continue to make a way for me, for us. You know, growing deeper in love doesn't make all the problems of the world go away. Doesn't make my own anxieties or fears disappear but it does give us the strength and the hope to continue on, to press forward into the midst of a world in need of good news. Boy, is this message needed. I'm gonna tell you this past week, I have deleted the New York Times news app like 15 times. I mean, you can look at my phone right now. I deleted it this morning. And then I re-download it because I have to get the news. But the images coming from Israel and Palestine have been awful. Last weekend, an attack carried out by Hamas killed 1,200 Israelis. And it was folks living their everyday life at festivals, waiting for the bus. It was an atrocious act of terror. But then the response... 
Israeli airstrikes knocked down buildings in Gaza, including, according to some reporting, hospitals and medical centers. This morning, the death toll is estimated, the death toll of Palestinians is estimated to be at 1,900 people. The border has been closed. A place that is home to 2 million people is now a place that those 2 million people cannot escape. And the ground invasion is planned to try to find the members of Hamas who are responsible. So all week I've had this difficult time talking about this because I get so angry about it. How can something this atrocious be happening? And when you try to read the, somebody asked the other night at Pub Theology about, well, how did this start? And you tell the story and it just gets more and more complicated and you think, oh gosh, this is like a thread that you just can't untangle. How are we going to fix this? And so for me, it is so easy to turn away and to give up hope, to, to believe that there isn't another possibility, that nothing can change, that a conflict like this is intractable. And for me, it's God who draws me back. Because if God didn't want to give up on creation, then why should I? If God didn't want to discard those who had blood on their hands, those who had committed sin, those who seemed in all ways lost, then why should I? And the church calls us to this place, reminds us that all that is precious to God is good. That those Israelis who have been murdered, that those Palestinians who have been killed, they were all children of God. And in the midst of an intractable situation, God reminds me, reminds us that there is still hope to be had. That if Jesus was able to overcome the powers of death and despair on the cross, then surely it's not too much to believe that God will make a new way in the midst of any situation. That God will open new possibilities. So sometime last year, I, I, during a period of prayer, I gained an insight that I have found really helpful. Um, I don't remember what the issue even was, but something in the news sparked my attention. And you all know the polarized culture we have, where you're on one side and your side is good and the other side is all bad. And, and how could they possibly think that? I am as guilty of that thinking as anybody is. I don't even remember what the issue was that got me so charged, but, but I was struggling with this. And so I had this day where I was frustrated with something that was happening and was finding it difficult to recognize the humanity in the other and someone I dip, deeply disagreed with. And so I prayed to God this prayer that I continue to pray today. I said, God, I am finding it difficult to love those people. Especially after what they have done. But, God, I love you. And you love them. So may that reality be good enough until I can find love in my own heart. And that was it. That moment, that prayer opened me up to the possibility that the world did not need to, 
remain the same. And in fact, I didn't need to remain the same. That the difficulty, the struggle we have in accepting and loving one another, that doesn't have to be the end. And it's this act of loving God, of rooting ourselves in God, of abiding in God's presence, even as God abides in us. It's in that that we are able to grow together, to believe together, even that the most impossible things might be possible. So what does it look like to be in love with God? To be in love with the possibility that everything is not stuck the way it is, but that new life is possible. To be in love with the one who is in solidarity with the world and who calls us to the same kind of solidarity. To be in love with the one who will not abandon us no matter how hard what we're trying to get through happens to be. Won't even abandon us if it's our fault. What does it mean to be in love with a God who makes it possible to love others, even when we find that hard? Because we live in a world that sometimes feels irreparably lost, a world that sometimes feels like it's getting worse and can't get better. But to be a follower of Jesus Christ is to be in love with God, is to continually announce that a new way is possible. We as a church in this new year are going to grow in our love for God. We will in so many ways remember the point of our worship and of our prayer. And as we think about our resources, including your pledge cards, we have to continue to rely on this message that we have to offer the world because nothing can beat it. Our God is good. Our God is making a way where there feels like there is no way. Our God is opening new possibilities. And so as we learn to love God, we open ourselves to this reality. We open ourselves to hope itself. And so as we think about what we can give this next year, about the mission and the purpose of this community, we know that it has to do with this. We call people to be in love with God. To be in love with a God who is good, who is faithful, a God who is our source, a God through whom all things are possible. Let us pray. O holy and gracious God, you are good. You continue to call us, to stretch us, to grow us. We pray that in all things, in our hearts, that your presence might continue to take root that we might continue to be fashioned in your way, preaching and proclaiming and practicing love and mercy and kindness and compassion. We pray all of these things in your name. Amen.